0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and DaBear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Dietta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Dieta and Richard.
2: Welcome to DJ and DaBear, keeping you at the top of your game. I'm Dietta Jones, your host I'm a social justice advocate, leadership and organizational effectiveness coach, speaker and author. And I'm joined by my better three quarters, NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer Richard Dent. Hello, Richard. Hello,
3: hello. Hello, hello. How are we doing?
2: Good, good.
3: Good, good. Back here in this cold, chilly weather. I don't think my body has responded yet to realize that I've been in the warm weather for quite a while now. My body is... Trying to get adapted to this cold weather, but outside of that, uh, I guess the groundhog said, uh, RJ told me the groundhog said he saw his shadow and decided that there was going to be six more weeks of winter Then he (laughs) bit the guy in the neck. (laughs) Wasn't that funny?
2: Six weeks? Really? Really? I I thought last year. Six more
3: weeks. That's what RJ said. Six more weeks of winter because the groundhog said he saw his shadow. Yeah, Boy, I think the groundhog the is. is out. Not, I think the groundhog is
2: three or four months short.
3: <laughs> it is. There is the snow ground. up to our I, eyeballs. I've never seen the groundhog bit anybody before after coming out. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're that they're.
2: It's weird. They're they're too cold yeah. to be out too. Well, for those right. of us, who, the, for those of us, for those of you who haven't yet met us, Richard is the brains of this operation, and I uh, am the okay. uh, <laughs> no, no, no. He's the beauty and I'm the beast. There we go. That, that <laughs> sounds pretty good. That's, I'll,
3: I'll take that for the start.
2: Assets aside, we're here to fill the next hour of your lives with thought-provoking ideas, invite you to ask questions and add perspective, and have a few laughs along the way. Our topic for this week is Lead With Your Gut, Decision-Making for the Chronic Overthinkers. And we are joined by our very special friend and guest, Shelly Rowe. Hello, Shelly. Hello, Hello Shelly. what <laughs> do
3: I have a, I have a lot of gut for you to, to tell me about, Shelly. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, we better Don't, get started, Richard.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry? I'm trying to control the gut. That's more than anything. I guess that's like keeping it intact.
2: Yeah. What? Yeah. You're leading with your gut. That's okay, babe. You're holding it together. So, Shelly. She's mostly
3: positive. She's not got coming before she me. So, <laughs> that's not the problem. Though. Let's have a show. Shelly, welcome, welcome, please.
2: <laughs> now that we have a visual in our head, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Shelly, let me give a little bit of background on who you are. First of all. Uh, Less formally, Um, Shelley, uh, you and I met uh, just about a year ago at the National Speakers Association Conference in sunny, gorgeous San Diego, um, and really hit it off because uh, the work that we do, um, there's obviously a lot of synergy in the work that we do. The areas of research uh, and and our speaking engagements are very similar, and I was really taken by some of the ideas and the research um, that you bring to your audiences. So I'm really honored that you're here with us today. Shelly is an expert in leadership decision-making. She is an experienced executive leader, a transportation engineer with a 30-year career and the holder of an MBA. Today, she is a sought-after speaker on how to blend science with intuition for effective decision-making, author of four books, including her latest, Think Less, Live More, Lessons from a Recovering Overthinker." And she is a professional runner. She runs her own business. She runs all over the country speaking. And she actually runs, as in three marathons. But she says that was a long time ago. You'll find Shelly to be practical and approachable. But let's face it, she's just a recovering overthinker. So please help me in welcoming, from Annapolis, Maryland, Chocolate Fanatic, which is why she runs, speaker, author, and professional engineer, Shelly Rowe. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you so much for being here. So, Shelley, we um, were able to spend some time in preparation for this to- show talking about the broad appeal of this topic. It's incredibly timely, but it also can be a topic of interest to a huge variety of audiences. Um, and one of the things that we thought is maybe, maybe what we could do is um, have you frame out for us this topic of um, emotions and decision making and help us really understand um, how and when to use our gut. So would you would you frame this out for us, this role of emotions in decision-making?
4: Well, thanks, Deanna, and it's such a pleasure to be here with you and Richard today. Um, as you mentioned, I've done uh, um, a good bit of research. I've interviewed 77 leaders about how or if they use intuition or their gut feel in decision-making. And of those 77, 76 say that it is indispensable to their leadership effectiveness. And so it made me wonder, why are we not talking more about this? Um, And I know from my own executive experience that it was a huge, a huge benefit to me, and I couldn't have done my job without it. And as I've dug into this and learned more about the neuroscience, which is fascinating, What I have discovered is that when we talk about using our feelings in leadership decision making, that those feelings can be a productive input for us and they can also be an unproductive input for us. And so one of the skills that leaders learn is how to tell the difference between whether their gut is leading them to a productive decision or leading them to an unproductive place. So so for example, and Richard, I suspect that you um, can tell us a whole lot more about this from from your experience in playing professional football. So I can only imagine, Richard, that as you're um, reading a play that you're having to make split second decisions from your gut about how to react, how to move and how to position yourself around that play. And that's coming from your experience from that gut feel that you have created through a lot of learning and, and just being in the, in the football field a lot. At the same Correct. time, and Rich, I'm going to ask you what, what your situation is, but I'm also going to guess that there is a lot of of talk on the football field and perhaps taunting and jabbing and poking and and trying to get an emotional overreaction to happen. And that is very different than the effective reading of a play. And so if you have that emotional overreaction, then it could trigger a reaction that's not productive at all and could actually get you in trouble in in a football field environment. And so it's exactly the same with leaders, but I'm a little curious if that is, in fact, true in the football analogy.
3: Well, it's, like you said, the education of what you're doing, the work that you put in. Uh, First of all, you know, every second is, you know, when someone breaks the hose, first thing that I look at is how much time they have before they snap the ball. So if they come out with, you know, 20 seconds well, first of all, I know that the count, you know, when they hug one, two, three, it could be, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to stay in my stance. The ball's not going to snap pretty quick. But if they come out with 10 seconds, then I know it's going to be on first or second, you know, sound. So those are things. But then you have to look around to, to what the formation they may be giving you. So you 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 do a lot of work throughout the week to To understand the patterns and plays that they like, and when you see them, you have to have a gut feeling, but then then you have to understand, where could I get a tip? Do I I get a tip from the guy in front of me, next to him, next to him, next to him, or whatever it may be, or can I get it by formation? But sometimes when you overthink, then you find yourself in the same spot. Then reacting, when you react to something that you feel is happening, what are you taking away what is it that you're looking for? So I always work at, you know, I'm going to take this away, but yet if I see something else, I can work hard toward So I don't need to run 100% if I know what is taking place or if I have an idea of if I got, you know, 60%, percent of understanding of what's about to happen, I don't have to move 100% to be involved, right? So mentally, I'm using... More so 80, 90%, and physically now I'm moving like 40, 50% because I'm moving directly to what I think is about to participate or what what is really about to happen.
4: And see, Richard, that yeah. to me is a perfect example of what happens in uh, an executive leadership situation as well, because what I heard you just say is that, first of all, you're spending the week, you're learning about the other team, and so that is gathering facts, and that's really important. Right. I don't want to discount the importance of that, but at the same time, you're right. combining it with that gut feel about the situation and making that, that decision in the moment. And so that's what we see with leaders, that they have cultivated that ability to go both understand what their gut is telling them as well as adding it to what they know about the facts. But at the same right. time we have situations that can, you know, punch our hot buttons, right? You on, know, get, un, get under our skin and get on our nerves. And that creates a completely different kind of an emotional reaction in our body that excites the nervous system. And we have to be able to understand when that's happening because that's going to lead us to an inappropriate decision that might not be in our best interest. And I would say that when I coach and consult with companies, this is one of the biggest behaviors that I see that wastes time, it wastes money, it creates problems within the organizational environment because someone has allowed their emotions to run away with themselves. Exactly, okay. to hijack their yeah. body, and then they make an, a, a poorly informed decision out of an emotional reaction. So when I talk and work with companies and, and, and do speeches and workshops and those sorts of things, one of the skills that we develop is how do you recognize it before you overreact. Yeah. And, again, sure. I'm going to guess, Richard, that you have a lot of experience okay. in this. And what the neuroscience tells us is that it will happen in our body first. So, for example.
3: Correct. Uh, Some of you have
4: had that experience?
3: Yes, I have. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, you can create emotional reaction by doing certain things if you know that some people or certain situation are sensitive. So to me, you know, I get the people around me to support our side of the ball or our side of the line of scrimmage. So the point of it, I would say that, you know, you're not going to run these things. We're not going to allow you to do these things. So if I know what you can't do, now... I can focus on where you have to go because you can't come this way. You have to go other ways or you have to do something or you have to come over and try to trick me. So sometimes it's good to to create, you know, emotional uh, opportunities with folks because now they're not thinking. Now they're just reacting, you know. So the point of view able to create, you know, noise, now people won't stay calm. You know, it's always a calm nature if you're trying to do something. I tell kids all day that some yeah. people play Sega ball. Sega ball is just you out there bouncing and running and reacting what you're doing. You know, you just react to something that you see. But if you want if you want to have control of what's taking place, then you have to be a little bit more smarter. You have to study a little bit more. The opponent in front of you have the same stripes and the same colors. So, you know, they're going to do what they do. And now it's up to you to create those situations so you can benefit.
2: This sounds like a really, really interesting segue into our next segment where we'll pick up on talking about things like triggers, which I think you both are talking about at this point, but also values. And how do you... How do we use our values to help us stay anchored and to create some of those pause buttons that are necessary to make sure that um, the emotional surge that we're feeling in our body, as you're describing Shelly, has an opportunity to catch up with the more analytical <laughs> parts of our brain so that we're able to make decisions that are well-informed and in our best interest. So let's switch gears for just a few minutes. And while we're at a commercial break, please visit our website where Shelly has posted a recent article. Um, with five effective strategies for leaders and uh, around effective use of emotions and decision making at www.dietajones.com and uh, share your comments or hit us up on Twitter at Dieta and Jones and at RichardDent95. We want to hear from you. Please post your thoughts. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run, and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an 8th round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15 year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, sweat, and Bears. It's hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership management and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at diettajones.com.
4: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
1: You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 18-346-9141. That number again is 18-346-9141. You may also send an email to DJones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show.
2: You know, what during the during the break, Shelly, you just asked me a question and I, I changed my mind about the answer. During the break, um, one of the things that we were talking about is these triggers, these emotional triggers that all of us have experience with. And I was saying that a lot of times when I'm, you know, working with clients, you know, I just, I just describe the simple phenomenon that happens to all of us, right. In any, in every day, probably where we have some kind of a a stimulus and, you know, an environmental stimulus, whether we bump into a coworker that we had harsh words with the day before, or our partner and I, our spouse, you know, we have some disagreement and we have some sort of an emotional uh, trigger that happens. And all of a sudden, our brain uh, releases cortisol, right? And we immediately go into fight, flight, uh, flee mode. And the, the tricky part about that is that it takes and, and reroutes the, the resources from the smart parts of our brain to the parts of our brain that are equipped to go into survival mode. And the cortisol, those high levels of cortisol stay in our bodies, you know, two, three hours. And unfortunately, during that period of time, it's really difficult to be smart and problem solving and analytical and creative, um, listening with our, you know, our very best emotional intelligence skills at work. Um, and and um, it's so important for us to, to just know that that exists and to understand what our triggers are so that we can start building in some um, some, some remedies for when those situations happen so that we can move through those situations that will inevitably occur, but get through them more gracefully than we otherwise might get through them. Shelley, let me just ask you, ask you kind of off the cuff related to those kinds of triggers. Do you have any suggestions for people who you know, are looking for strategies to deal with um, you know, situations where they feel themselves just flooded with cortisol and also recognizing that they're in the moment, but they need to find some way to get through it more gracefully than, um, than they might otherwise. Yeah, Dieter, and that's
4: a very good point. Um, you stated it beautifully. Um, when I do a workshop, one of the things that we deal with in this particular issue. Is, is a kind of a step-by-step process. The first thing is to be as aware as you possibly can be on what things are your triggers. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a situation, sometimes it's an old story that we all have held inside of ourselves that gets triggered. Um, so being aware of what things typically are your triggers is the first step. The next thing is, as you said, your body goes on, on red alert And it's going to send messages in your body. So to be able to understand how your body typically reacts first helps you flag it. So, for example, when something hits my hot buttons, the first thing that happens is my chest tightens. Sometimes I'll feel myself getting kind of hot under the collar. And if I'm really upset, my jaw clenches. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, everyone knows to run when that happens. (laughs) So if you are able to, first of all, cognitively be aware of what your triggers are, you are aware of how your body typically reacts and you'll be able to go, oh, there it's going again. Now you have a chance at being able to at least slow down the reaction and start working with your nervous system to slow it down. So the research has shown us that there are several different techniques that you can use to help bring your nervous system back into balance. Now, it won't stop it from reacting, but it might help it bring it back into balance. And there's simple things, like consciously relaxing the areas around your face. You know, we tend to clench around our eyes, we tighten our jaw, and to consciously relax in that space begins to slow the nervous system down. Breathing deeply, exhaling fully, you know, counting to 10. Who knew your mom was a neuroscientist? <laughs> you, know, I love so, you know, when you think about it, counting to 10, it yep. allows, as you said, that cortisol level to begin to drop. And if you can get it down low enough, then you can realize what's happening to you and go, you know what? This is not the time to make this decision. Let's take a break. Let's go get some coffee. I need to walk around the block. Do anything you can to begin to dissipate the energy and
2: allow yourself the space to let that nervous system calm down. I love what you just said about that too, Shelley, is that sometimes we feel like we need to make a decision in the moment But we know that we're not fully equipped mentally and emotionally to do it. And the thing that is always the best choice in those circumstances is to buy time.
3: And in my space, what we do is we basically take it out on that play or the next play. (laughs) 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 But you know, but to, to that is that you know, to me, you may have a strength, and my strength. If I know that my strength is a fastball, then. I'm going to use my weakness to beat you. I'm not going to allow you to see my fastball all the time. So I I have to understand your weakness of things like what we're talking about here, about either getting someone upset to stop or Mm -hmm. nagging them to their weakness. And so I'm going to take, you know, my weakness to try to beat your weakness. But when it's time for me to make a big play, then I pull out the big ticket. The big ticket item is to, you know, whatever it may be. Being speed around the corner, you know, something of that nature. And that's not allowed people to see that either I'm mad or they don't get a chance to see that special thing that you have. And it's a vice versa thought pattern to what you're speaking of.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and you're in a different environment too, where being physical is actually what you're going for. So having that rush of cortisol to your extremities, your hands and your feet is an asset. On the football right. field. In a but business room, to, in a, in a business boardroom, it can be a detriment, you
3: have to be right? to control of it, though. You have to be in control, Fair. even though it's an Fair. asset. But to use it, it for you have to have that asset working on all ticks. It's not like, you know, it, it's an asset, but it, how you use the asset. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
4: And, and, you know, the other thing, too, Deanna and Richard, um, Dieta you mentioned values before. And, you know, there actually is yeah. a tie between the two. Um, what, yes, what we have discovered is that, um, let, let's say, uh, I'll use myself as an example. One of my values is around success, meaning that I want to do the best that I can in whatever profession I've chosen. Well, if a situa- if I encounter a situation that makes me feel as though that value is threatened, it will be a trigger. Yeah, So it is very helpful, I find, and and again, when I work with companies or individual coaching, we talk a lot about understanding what your values are because not only does it help you, as Richard said, helps you play to your strength, but it also helps you understand that if someone crosses that value, then that's likely to be a red flag for you. So it works both ways, just like what Richard was talking about.
0: So, yeah, Shelly, so what do guys I do? That, if, if, I,
3: see if, guys that, I see guys that jump and holler and scream. And, of course, it just rushes all through your body. And what it does, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Mm-hmm. So the point of it is, I always tell people, look, they pay you to do what you do, so why are you jumping up and being happy about it? That's <laughs> what they tell you to do. So, you well, know, be calm. Act like it's just another thing because what you're doing is you're, you're losing out by mm-hmm. expressing so much. You can't. It's impossible to keep your concentration up to that level when you when you letting so much out at, at mm-hmm. once every time you make a point. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you, Shelley. And so we only let have a couple of minutes before we have to transition. But let me just ask you, related to this topic of values, because values are so deeply ingrained over the course of our lives. Right, they drive us every day, day in and day out. So those aren't really going to be negotiated. How do we use those? How do we express those to other people in a way that helps us to be more effective as we communicate through decision-making processes?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. and I'm a big proponent of being pretty transparent. You know, I would tell my staff, you know, these are the things that mean a lot to me. And, you know, it's in my best interest and yours to kind of know what makes me tick, so to speak. And the the other thing that's really important about values, and I heard this over and over again in the leadership interviews that I did, is that the farther up you go in an organization, the fewer boundaries there are around your decision making. And so it's those, va- it's those values that underpin the decision-making process that narrow your focus so that you're doing the thing that you feel is the right thing to do based on your value system. And it enables you to kind of eliminate other sets of options that just don't fit with you.
2: That's interesting. And then, of course, you need to think about the next obvious, you know, the extension of that, which is in order to be an effective leader, people under- need to understand and also subscribe to the values that led you to a particular decision in order to get their support and implementation. So yes. that transparency is further underscored by, you know, the trans- further underscored by the need for, you know, often a huge variety of people to implement an idea that may not have been their own. Yeah and I it reminds
4: me I interviewed a a leader um, who originally worked in the public sector and he described how his personal values were very naturally in line with those of that organization and so he knew that when he made a judgment call that he was very likely to be in a good place with his company yeah. Yeah. so when he changed sure. jobs he went into a different kind of environment and he adapted but he had to stop every time and think, okay, this is where I would naturally go based on my value system, but is that now a fit for the value system of that company?
2: Love it. Okay, we need yeah, to I switch. Mean,
3: I think the thing I can say there is that, you know, being running a business like what you speak about, which is on an aha moment when you go up the ladder and you speak with certain people. You know, being, uh, being an athletics people, I know that, you know, if a person asking me questions about football or how did you go from here to there, I, you know, I, I value myself on listening a lot, first of all. You know, if I find a customer speaking a lot, chances you you getting the business, are, are pretty. it's pretty good. But yet, when one wants to talk about, you know, the game of sports or whatever it may be it, then you talk about the, the reason that you're there, chances you're probably getting business pretty slim, but when they talk about the business proposition or the service or that you're trying to offer, the chances are greater. And then on the back end, then we can discuss those other things. But yet, you know, uh, again, it, it's just something that I see, you know, I've been out here for, you know, almost 15, 20 years in my business that I've noticed over time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's switch gears one more time for a few minutes while we're at commercial break break. Please visit our website www.dietajones.com to check out our latest blog post by guest contributor Shelly Rowe on the topic of emotions and decision making. Hit us up on Twitter at Dietta M Jones, at Richard underscore dent95, and at Shelly Rowe. We'll be right back.
1: Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic yet direct and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. success starts here voiceamericaempowerment.com it's your world you are listening to dj and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game to reach the show today, please call in to one 346 9141 That number again is one 346 9141 You may also send an email to djones at djetajones.com. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back and continuing our conversation on Lead With Your Gut, Decision Making for the Chronic Overthinkers with special guest expert Shelly Rowe. Shelly, let's let's transition and talk about uh, strategies that uh, you advise people to use on the productive use of one's feelings. Because you've talked about the use of your feelings, and you've talked about some unproductive ways to use feelings, or how we can, you know, our feelings can hijack some of our um, higher uh, mental states. Can you can you help us talk about uh, frame this idea about productive use of feelings? Absolutely, Dieta.
4: You know, uh, you know, we live in this world of big data and data-driven decisions and, you know, I think I said before that just because we can count the data doesn't mean that the data is the only thing that counts. And so what we find is, is that when we're faced with really complex decisions, not simple decisions, not complicated ones that you can calculate with a big enough computer, but the ones that are really complex, there's a lot of variables, there's a lot of uncertainty, ambiguity, perhaps a lot of people involved then in those situations, the cognitive part of our brain simply can't do the processing. We can't figure it out. We can't think it through. And so we have to go and use the other part of our brain to bring more brain power to the to the problem. So, so for example, um, and I'm an engineer, so I very frequently see companies and people who are are struck with analysis paralysis. And, in fact, (laughs) I am an overthinker. Um, I can overthink anything. Let's just say you do not want to pick out paint chips with me at Home Depot. (laughs) But so when I work with people and they're they're having this analysis paralysis problem, one of the, the strategies that we work with is how do you, yes, get the data, but then go, you know what, I'm taking too long to make this decision, I'm making it harder than it has to be, I'm overthinking it. The skill that we work on is what I call notice and name, and it means to notice the nagging feeling and give it a name. Because what the leaders that I interview tell me, they'll say things like, you know, something's bugging me about this, or something's just not sitting right about this situation. And what they tell me is that that nagging feeling, which is actually coming from the other part of your brain and your intelligence, it just, can't have, it just doesn't have access to language. It's telling you, you know, there's something more here you need to look into. You need to dig in here and ask some more questions. And it's probably not about more data It's probably about more about the situation, about the context, about the thing that's making this an awkward, ambiguous situation. And that's a very productive way to allow our feelings to bring that other part of our intelligence to the decision-making table, just like you bring the facts to the table.
2: So is this other part of our intelligence intuition? Is that what you're describing? I call it, actually, Deanna, I call it infotuition.
4: Mm-hmm. And it's the there combination of that intuition plus the cognitive processing, and Richard was talking about this a while ago, and you combine the two of them based on what the situation needs, and then that's where you find that decision that just
3: feels right. Mm. That's the, that's the part of saying You know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I may not be that intelligent, but if you can give me a little bit more information so I can understand that <laughs> is, is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and, and that's where people, you know, to me, I, I it's, it's when you plan along but now it becomes I'm in the technical field, you know, I understand technology but when they start start using all these acronyms, i start getting headaches. So <laughs> what I do, I close my eyes. I close my eyes and I, and and, I'm, and it look like I'm sleeping. It but does that's the like only way <laughs> that's the only way I can follow along with the people now. I understand what it does. But to follow along with jumping from you know one thing to another to another with all these different acronyms, then that's the only way I can follow is by closing my eyes. I can follow. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'll come back and ask the question to give me more data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know the other
4: thing—that's that for me how, how
3: and... I, I handle it. But I'm sure other people have issues and ways of handling it, and they have to figure out how they can take in the data and the information so they can stay along with the conversation.
4: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, um it's it's interesting to me about what the neuroscience has brought to this issue. With what we now understand about the brain and its functions is that yeah, we've got all that power cognitively and all those acronyms and all the facts and the figures like what Richard was talking about, but at the same time, we have developed all this intelligence that's housed in the intuitive part of the brain, that subconscious part Mm -hmm. of the brain, and if we're going to take advantage of that, we have to have a little bit of quiet time. We've got to take a step away and allow that part of our brain and our knowledge and our intelligence to come into the mix, otherwise you're right. just trying to think something through, and you literally can't do it, which is that cognitive part of the brain, like we talked about before.
2: You know, and, and Shelly, this is this this might be a, a bit of a deviant, but it's 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 something that I've taken up particular interest in over the last ten or fifteen years, and that's uh, th- practices like mindfulness, kinds of practices like yoga and meditation, where we force kind of the the quiet times in our brain. And and it has been my experience, but also I know that there's a lot of neuroscience, uh, neuroscientific research to support this. That that's when innovative breakthroughs Mm -hmm. also happen, right? When we allow our brain to find those quiet times, to be able to go to those those quiet spaces, regardless of how much data we have, we have to have that that pause. We have to have that quiet, still space before we can have truly innovative ideas. So it's it's really. it's really an exciting field to be in right now, but it's also very practical for businesses across any industry to be thinking about the important role of info tuition, as you're describing it.
4: And you're completely correct. You know, One of the things that I work with the executives on is to say, you know, in a fast paced world like today, they are under so much pressure to make a decision right now. Right. And yet if it's a very difficult decision or a complex decision with, a lot, of, again, a lot of ambiguity, it's not in their best interest to, make, to give in to the pressure and make that quick decision. They are much better served, like you just said, to sleep on it, right. take a walk, you know, yep. go for a run. Someone told me they go fishing or go out sailing, anything to take the brain away from it because what the neuroscience shows is that the brain is still working on it anyway. Right, right. But it's processing all parts of the brain—the cognitive, the intuitive—and that's where it brings it together. in What I call that infotuitive choice.
2: Yes, yes. Well, Richard knows. There's many well, times I, when I, I, when I, I, I find, sit- find out with situations
3: simple. like that when you just take a moment, you can your friend or you know, mm-hmm. and God bless you in many ways of when you listen and the people. Yeah, you, know, you never know when that conversation, some conversation you may have, will help you with. That decision, mm-hmm. if you listen, if you accept yeah. what's around you, you know, you never know how that data, that information comes to help you with making a decision in an indirect way.
2: Right. Yeah, I love I love that. There's a difference between uh, important and urgent, right? And pay attention to the important. So, Shelley, really quickly before we have to go to our next break, can you tell us a little bit about? I know you took this amazing trip to France, and it was fueled by it was you. You used this info tuition to help you make this choice. Can you tell us a little bit about how this played out in your real life major decision?
4: Absolutely, Deanna. And it actually ties back to what you were talking about before about mindfulness. Um, I am actually uh, a big proponent of meditation. And again, we're beginning to see a lot of science about why meditation is so good for the brain. Um, But it was through that meditation experience that it was allowing my brain to create all these creative ideas. And one of them was that, you know, we should go live in France for a year. Mm. And at the time, I was in my executive position um, at the government, and my husband had a great job. And so it was an absolutely illogical, irrational (laughs) idea. There was nothing factually reasonable about moving to France for a year. I mean, we had a mortgage. We didn't have any money to go live abroad. I mean, there was nothing that was rational about it. But, you know, one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is listening to that voice, that intuitive voice, because I believe it is a better guide for us um, as we look for things that are fulfilling in our lives. So, you know, to my husband's credit, he agreed that we should, you know, make a stab at this. It took us five years to save the money. And um, in 2010, we both took off from our jobs and we moved to France and lived there for a year. And in fact, that's where I wrote the book that's just coming out that you mentioned before, Think Less, Live More.
2: I love it. And it's a heck of a book. It obviously worked. It got your creative juices flowing.
3: That's amazing. I try to tell people, you know, it's a voice within you, not just a voice. If you're quiet and you're patient, it's a voice within you that speaks to you that, uh, you know, really can take you in places that you've never been and, and 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 you end up coming out with something that is amazing. But, yeah, I think that, you know, I have that same intuition that it's something or some power or whatever it may be that speaks to you, but everybody don't listen. Some people can't step outside of themselves and see themselves. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with that? What do you do to... Get to that, to understand that, or is it something happened all the time, or just how do you get the, in that moment to be able to listen? Or to obviously, you know how to react to it. Yeah,
4: and I, I, that's a great question, Richard. For me, I think it is that taking a step, first of all, it's believing that the little voice is there. Next is believing that the little voice is relevant, because we tend to default to all the facts, and I'm a big believer that facts and feelings are important in our lives, and then to take a step away and, and, and listen to it and hear what it says and give it a voice and, and say, well, what is this trying to tell me, and what would happen if I didn't pay attention? Would I ever forgive myself if I never even tried to follow it?
2: I love it. Okay, I need to take us mm-hmm. one, more, one more quick transition, and then we'll and we'll finish up with this let's switch gears for a few minutes and while we're at commercial break please visit our website www.diettajones.com hit us up on twitter at dietta m jones at richard underscore dent 95 and at shelly rowe we want to hear from you post your thoughts we'll be right back This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs,
4: and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel.
1: Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dense, fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, sweat, and bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Deetta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to one 346 9141 That number again is one 346 9141 You may also send an email to djones at djetajones.com. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back and continuing our conversation on Lead With Your Gut, Decision Making for the Chronic Overthinkers with guest expert Shelly Rowe. Shelly, I um, already thanked you, but I wanna thank you again for sharing with me an advanced copy of your new book, Think Less, Live More, uh, Lessons from a Recovering Overthinker. It was a page turner, I highly recommend it and I'd be happy to to recommend it to everybody because it's so practical at a personal level, but also in a business setting. Um, And one of the things that really stood out for me among many was uh, the, the section on the stuck stories that all of us have and that we replay and that really keep us from being able to move forward. And one of the pieces of advice that you gave was a tool that you called or a technique that you called replaying the do-over. Would you talk to us a little bit more about stuck stories, but then also the technique for the do-over?
4: Of course, Deanna, and thank you so much for the nice words about the book. Um, you know, uh, this, this, what I call stuck stories are those stories that we hold inside of us and then we hold in our head that limit, are limiting. Um, and one of the things that I find useful when I was trying to, uh, when I discovered the whole stuck story thing, it was actually working with the triggers. And I was able to identify all these situations that caused me to have a triggered overreaction. And when I started digging into them, what I found was is that there was, I don't know, two or three basic stories that were running through my life that were the cause of a lot of limitations in my confidence, overreactions in my work setting, or in my personal life. And those are what I call those stuck stories. So a lot of times there are really not that many of them, and they're pretty familiar once you hear them. So, for example... One of my stuck stories is that I am highly sensitive about being left out of things. And the way that that plays out in a work environment is particularly early in my career, if there was a meeting that happened and I felt like that I should have been included in the meeting, I would overreact. I'd get my feelings hurt, I would behave badly, and it was really an inappropriate way to behave in the workplace. And in fact, it was career-limiting. One of the things, just a little diversion, what I have discovered is that some of the biggest roadblocks to your professional success are your personal behaviors. Mm. So in the, in the stuck stories, what I have found to be useful is that I put myself back into that situation and I replay it again. So I do have a do-over. So when I replay it, though, I have it play out the way that I wished it would have gone. And so, for example, I had a boss a few years ago who, all by himself, he was a trigger for me. Anytime I interacted with him, he upset me. And so I I had to figure out what it was that was causing the trigger. So I would replay the conversation that he and I would have had. And I would hear him say what I wished he would have said. (laughs) And what I realized in the process of doing that was, first of all, his personality, he was not capable of saying the things I wanted him to say. So it created empathy for that situation. And the second thing I realized is that I was trying to get him to smooth over that story that was playing in my mind that was my issue, not his. Mm-hmm. It was my issue. And once I began to understand that I was having a reaction based on my story then I could go into it with more awareness and say, you know what? This is just me being me again, and it's not real, and it's holding me back, and let's, let's rewrite the story.
2: And let me ask you, Shelley, yes. is, is another outcome of that potentially also giving clarity for you to then ask for what you want? I mean, were you able to, in this yeah. scenario or another scenario, have better language that says, you know, what, what a successful outcome would look like for me is.
4: Yes, and that's a very good point. And, and actually, in this particular situation, I did that. I was able to, once I understood what my issue was and what was causing me to have a, an overreaction, I was able to, first of all, separate what was my issue from what was really a legitimate um, business situation that needed to be dealt with on a, on a business plateau. Mm-hmm. I could then go from a non-emotional place And have a conversation about the legitimate business issue, separate and apart from the thing that was creating my emotional overreaction.
2: I love it. Very, very practical. Shelly, we only have a couple more minutes left, and we need to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to hear about your book, your upcoming book, and also figure out uh, how it is that they can get in touch with you if they would like to invite you to be a speaker or uh, consult with their organization.
4: Well, thank, thank you so much, Dieta. And um, the easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is www.shellierow.com. And that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-R-O-W.com. And people can email me at Shelly at Shellyrow.com. Um, obviously, I'm available on Twitter at row and I'm on LinkedIn and and Facebook and all the other social media as well. Um, I would love to work with companies. I do consulting and coaching um, around these kinds of behaviors to create more productive work environments. I do executive coaching, and I do keynotes and workshops um, quite a lot for organizations and associations. Uh, And then the book is coming out. I'm very excited about this. It will be available the 1st of March, um, online at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com and several other online booksellers, but amazon and barnes and noble are the easiest ways
2: to, to find that book.
4: And then the title again yeah. is It's Think Less, Live More: Lessons from a Recovering Overthinker.
2: Wonderful. It's been such a gift. Uh, Richard, did you have something you were going to chime in? I don't
3: know, we have a little bit how much time we have
2: left. Yeah, 3 minutes. Back? There
3: we are Oh, well, to what she was saying, I think it's important to athletes that get in that situation quite a bit because I had a coach that basically would talk to the media and media would come and talk to me. And so, uh, you know, so now, you know, you can't win that battle because the media is not representing you. The media is is creating media. So it's like the guy down at the Super Bowl this year who, ne- who didn't really speak to the media. But the point of it is, reporters ask questions and, and the point of it is the athletes or people who deal with media you have to, you want to ask you a question. It's all about, you know, you being able to represent yourself. What is mm-hmm. the question that I want to put out there? It's not about the question that's being asked, but it's all about what is it that you want to be heard. So, you know, here's a guy, Yeah, you know, he come and ask me, how does it feel to be in uh, Dick's doghouse? And I'm like, okay, now, how do you respond to that? Look, look, I'm no dog, and I have my own house, you have something better to ask me? You know, so (laughs) it's it's to be able to understand and manage what you're doing and what's being asked. People ask a thousand questions, but when you open your mouth, you choose to talk about whatever you want to talk about. What I'm going to talk about is how is it and what is it that I want out there, not more so to the question that one's being asked. Mm -hmm. That way, you're always in a position to protect
2: and- yeah, I love it, because what you're talking about is being strategic and being intentional, right? so that you're not being blindsided by um, you know environmental stimuli that could otherwise uh, hit a trigger or uh, have you respond uh, you know prematurely to something that's not necessarily in your own best interest. Absolutely important stuff. and And I think this conversation today and some of the techniques that we discussed, Um, are perfect for being able to be more strategic and intentional i want to thank both of you Uh, shelly thank you so so much for being a guest today it's a huge honor for us and it's an incredibly important topic we wish you the very best of luck with your new book richard thank you so much for bringing so many real life experiences and stories i know you're the co-host but you really today added a lot of uh, real life experiences and stories thank you I also want to thank all of you listeners for joining us today. We've loved every minute of it and hope that you have too. Please join us next week when we will be talking with entrepreneur and tech leader, Hame Watt about the role of diversity in innovation. Check out our website, www.dietajones.com and sign up for our mailing list to receive updates on our upcoming shows and other topics we hope you find of interest. We'd also love That's to hear you. I get
3: paid this week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The check, your check is in the, mail. in
2: the mail, babe. So use the blog to post your comments and ideas for the show. We're eager to yeah. respond until next week. Yeah. Keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, to make our world better. And Richard, don't worry, babe. I'm gonna right now. As soon as we hang up, I'm gonna do a. Um, I'm gonna replay the do-over about that argument we had yesterday. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Take care, everyone. Thanks good luck good with coming. that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you,
3: guys. Bye Peace
1: bye. and soul. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dietta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and Bear. We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.